I love that video. It's so powerful and yet absolutely true. Like we have no idea, right? And it's all about taking steps. We're, we are um, so glad that you're here today. We're right in the middle of a series called Next. And we believe that everybody here today, whether it's the first time, and by the way, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we all believe that we have a step. Every one of us, we have a step that we need to take. And so in this series, we've been talking about a couple things, and for our guests, and maybe if you've been out a week or two with vacation, I just kind of want to bring us up to speed and kind of um, recap what we've been talking about. Number one, we've been talking about not only do we need to take a step, but the reason why we need to take a step is because steps lead to growth. Steps lead to growth. And, and the last verse in 2 Peter talks about us as Jesus followers growing in grace, that we're supposed to grow, that God wants us to grow. Now, if you're here today, I hope that you want to grow. I hope that you have a personal life plan, that you want to develop yourself and you want to grow. Maybe it's as a leader. Maybe it's, um, maybe you own your own business. Maybe you work at a business. One day, that's your dream to do this. Maybe you're a college student and you, man, maybe you're a parent and you've got kids and all of a sudden you realize they're like, oh, how, how do I do this? You know, like, oh, how do I do this? Maybe, maybe you're dating. Maybe, maybe you have a fiance. I did a wedding on uh, Friday. Maybe, maybe you're newly married or you wish you were married or looking for someone to marry. Or maybe you're here, you've been married a while. The truth is we all have to continually grow, right? Because life comes at an angle. If you're not growing, if you're not going forward, you're going to end up going backwards because we're at a slant. I mean, life is hard. Life comes fast. Life sometimes, here's what I know, life sometimes can suck the very life out of us because, man, we've got deadlines, we've got jobs, and we've got families, and we've got bills to pay, and we've got this, and we've got that. And if we're not careful, we won't grow. If we're careful or not careful, we'll just try to, man, we're just trying to hang on. We're just trying to survive. And God has way better plan for you than for you to try to survive. God created you to thrive. And he wants you to thrive. And so how do we thrive? That's the question. Well, we do it by taking steps. And we also talked about that not only do taking steps lead to growth, but taking steps towards God leads to growth. So if I spend a little time with him, if I read the Bible, if I take time to pray, if something upsets me and instead of going off, if I talk to him about it, that's a step. A um, couple, what was it, three weeks ago, we, we still are celebrating 99 balloons back here. 99 people followed Christ in believer's baptism. That's awesome. They took a step. That's all, isn't that great? Come on, like clap like y'all mean it. Come on, that's awesome. We want to celebrate that. I mean, every Sunday, every gathering, 9 and 11, I come and our staff comes praying and we come expecting and we want to invite you to hop on, the, hop on board and, and, and believe God every time that you come, not just like, oh, Lord, fill my cup, but God, like save somebody, save some marriage, save some family, save some addict, save somebody. God, last gathering, we had two men that um, one was first time or second time guest, and the other's been coming for a couple weeks. But two men, I love that, two men gave their life to Jesus. And as soon as we, at the end, we said, man, if you gave your life to Jesus, raise your hand. And they put their hand up on a shame, man. I love that. They took a step. Now, here's what I know. What I know is in order to grow, you have to be intentional because growth never comes accidental, does it? Like we talked about, you don't just wake up one day and have a lot of money in the bank. 
<laughs> like, how did that get there? I don't know. Let's go spend it. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. You don't just one day end up with an awesome marriage. You have to be intentional. But, I, but I'm telling you, if you're not intentional, there, there, other things can occur. You know what I'm talking about? Other things can happen. And so we have to be focused. And we have to not only realize that if I want to grow, I have to be intentional in taking a step. Because we realize that growth always requires intentionality. It, it doesn't just happen. It's, it's always intentional, never accidental. Last week, we reminded everyone that we have a story. You have a story. I want to tell you that today. You have a story. Today, um, World Cup, right? Anyone out there going to watch World Cup today? Big game, right? The final, right? We're going to watch it. And who's in there? It's Germany. Just making sure you know, Germany, Argentina, this is going to be a match. Hello, you don't want to miss this one. But you know why we're all going to be watching that is because really it's a story. We don't know how the game's going to go. But it's going to, the, the story's going to be unfolded. The story's going to live out. Someone, somebody, some people, they're going to score. They're going to make an incredible pass. They're, they're going to go all in. And at the end of the game will be a story. At the end of our life will be our life story. You have a story, and it's powerful. Everyone has a story. Number two, every story is powerful. Every story is powerful. And number three, every story matters to God. Your story matters to God. Now, you may think my story, man, if you knew my story, my story is all over here. It's horrible. But I want to tell you something. God allows parts of our story to be our story so that one day God can get the glory. In other words... Most of us, right, let's just be honest, all of us, we have a before. And then some of us, a lot of us here today, we, we had a time in our life where Jesus showed up. And Jesus showed out. And then we have an after. And it's not that I'm perfect. It's just that I'm forgiven. It's not that I don't have pain here. It's just that he's my pain medication. It's not that I don't have hurt here. It's just that I know when I can't take another step, he carries me through it. He carries me past the pain. So John is where we're at. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go there with us today. We're going to stay in the story we talked about last week. And we talked about the power of a story. And then last week we talked about shorten your story. And here we have a guy who was born blind, John chapter 9. The whole story of John 9 is dedicated to this man's story. And I love that. Oftentimes in the Bible, you get a chapter and there's all kinds of different stuff in there. There might be a section on this and a section on that. But John, who is an eyewitness account to this event, who walked with Jesus, who knew what made Jesus laugh. We're talking about real deal. He, he didn't just know of Jesus. Like someone knew him, someone knew him. He's a cousin. He got a free ticket, got into the game. We're not talking about that. This isn't that. We're talking about an eyewitness to this event. Takes the time and the detail to write out this story from beginning to end. And I, I love it. We want to we go back through it. Story's powerful. John 9. And, and I told many of you, I told many of you, you see on the screens here, um, is version. If you don't have the Bible or you don't have a Bible, please download this. This is wonderful. It's a tool. It's the, one of the greatest gifts um, to, to our generation. You can download a free app, version, Y-O-U version, on your phone, on your smartphone, your tablet. You can have the Bible 24-7. You can have encouragement 24-7 right in the palm of your hand. How many sleep with your phone near you? 
Can I just ask that? Does anyone else do that? Anyone, you got your phone near you? Look at all that. Do you know that even when you sleep, the word of God can be this close? God loves to be close because God's not a screamer. He don't like to shout. He likes to whisper. And the reason, right, is because he's close enough to do so. So we're going to read this passage today. Maybe you don't have one, but you could right now while I'm talking, you could download that. That'd be a great step for you to take. But in John chapter 9, we're going to learn about this man's story. And I challenged you last week, I challenged you to write out your story the week before. Write out your story. Don't let it scare you. That blank, blank paper, you know, that clean sheet, don't let that scare you or intimidate you. Just begin to write it out. And you, you don't have to way back, you know, back when I was three, you know, you don't got to go that far. But write out your story. You pretty much kind of know your story. Write it out. And then last week's message was getting us to take the step together of condensing, of shortening our story. So that when God gives us an opportunity, we can be ready to give people an answer of the hope that's within us. How many know that hope has a name? How many know hope's name? His name's Jesus. His name's Jesus. That's, that's what people are searching for. And they, they don't know. Many people, they don't know. They're looking. They want to be happy. They, they want to get it right. They're, 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 it's not like they're a murderer. They're, 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 they're a good person, but, but they still are struggling, looking to fill that void in their life. And they're looking, and many of them, they don't want anything to do with God, not realizing it's really God who they're looking for. And that's where we come into play, because your story's powerful. And, and today we're going to talk about sharing your story. But, but when you can take your story, and then you condense it to like a minute... What will happen if you ask for it, we're all going to ask for it today, what will happen is God will give you opportunities to share your story. And there will be cosmic collisions, divine appointment, face-to-face. Like the person you work with that is so hard that thinks God's last name is a cuss word, and you're like, that person never coming to Jesus, man. I just, I don't even go there, right? It's like the guy I used to work with. I got a job in, in um, Alpharetta one time, and and as soon as I got the job, guy found out that I used to be a student pastor. And right up front, he told me, he said, my name's Spencer. And he said, I'm going to tell you this up front. You're a preacher, right? And he said, I'm going to tell you this. Don't talk to me about religion. Don't talk to me about politics. You understand? And he used a couple words I'm not going to say, but he was just right. Hello, nice to meet you. And your name is, you know, you know, it's funny is later that night, just from listening to his story, that's what I challenged us to do last week, like, Listen to people's story. Everyone has a story. Do you know one of the greatest opportunities for us to win our friends and family is for us to know their story and then share our story? After he said that, I listened to his story. He began to tell me all about his story, and we ended up going out. He said, I want to take you to dinner. So it went from her to I want to take you to dinner. We went to dinner, and guess what old Spencer brought up? Two things. (laughs) We are talking about the two things he told me to never bring up. I spoke at his funeral two years ago, and I'm so thankful that I shared Jesus with him. You never know. Your story has a before, hopefully it has a Jesus, and then it has an after. And in John chapter 9, there is a guy who was born blind, and he's a beggar. And Jesus' disciples, you know, Jesus' disciples got it wrong so many times. You know, that they messed up. I'm thankful. It gives me hope because I mess up. I'm not perfect. Man, we say this is a church where no perfect people are allowed. Man, please go somewhere else. You will mess us up. 
None of us are perfect. His disciples weren't perfect. You find it in John 9. They go to Jesus. They know this, this beggar because they've heard him before. He doesn't, not able to work a job. So he begs for money. Please, I need money. Help. Someone, please. I, I haven't gotten any money today. I'm hungry. Please, somebody, somebody help me. Please. Have you, you ever been approached at a gas station? Your family walked out to a car after shopping at Target or Publix, Walmart, and someone walks up to you and you can tell before they ever open their mouth what they want. You ever been approached? Kind of does this, right? Well, Jesus' disciples are kind of turned off a little bit. They go to Jesus and they ask him, who sinned? In other words, like, look at this mess. Jesus loves messes. Because it's in the mess that he turns it into a miracle. And Jesus brings clarification and Jesus says, and the disciples said, who sinned here? Is it his parents' fault or his fault? Who sinned? And I mean, how much sin can a blind baby do, right? Jesus says, oh, it's neither one of their sins that caused this, but that the glory of God could be revealed. Let's take it modern day, 2014. The question always is, why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe sometimes so that the glory of God can be revealed. The disciples don't get it, and Jesus goes to this beggar, and Jesus asks him what he's just like, want me to do, and he's like, I'm blind. And Jesus spits on the ground in the dirt, and he takes that dirt and a spit, and he makes paste. I know some of you are thinking that's gross. Some of you guys are thinking, boys love dirt. Jesus is making a mess, and he takes that, Here's the problem. The, the man born blind had a bigger problem than mud being in his eyes. He'd never seen mama. He loved her voice. He knew her voice. He just never saw her face. And he's willing because he's desperate. Are you desperate for God today? Are you at the point or are you at the place where you need God so bad in your life? to break through, that you're like, God, whatever, I'm willing. I surrender. Whatever, Lord, whatever you tell me to do. And Jesus takes that spittle and he puts it in the blind man's eyes. And then Jesus tells him to go wash himself in the pool of Siloam. That pool means, Siloam means sent. In other words, Jesus is getting ready to turn the blind man into a seeing man. And then he wants him to go. He's sending him, go tell the story. And so he obeys, he washes his eyes, and he can see. And that's where we're going to pick up from last week. He can see, and he's so excited. He can see. Oh, my goodness. Look at it. John chapter 9, a couple verses, right? The, The Pharisees, by the way, they're bothered because it's the Sabbath, and Jesus is not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. But they didn't realize that Jesus is Lord. He's in control. He's above the Sabbath. He's Lord of the Sabbath. That's, and they're trying to get him in trouble because they hate Jesus. Pharisees always have. Pharisees always will hate Jesus because Jesus and religion, two different things. And Jesus 
comes into play here. And, and the Pharisees, they've asked the man, what's your story? And the man says, man, I was blind and now I can see. And he's all excited. He's like, I can see. Woo! I can see. I can see. And, and he tells them what happened. And they don't believe because they don't want to believe. I wonder how many people don't believe because they really don't want to believe. And so they begin asking him. In fact, they're like, go get your parents. We're going to see if you're really, if you're really their son. And, and some of the people in the crowd, they're like, yeah, that happened. Jesus like, really healed him, but they didn't like that. And so go get your parents. So we're going to pick up, read some verses here. Verse 20, his parents replied after they asked him, is this your boy? Is this your son? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. We don't know how he can see or who healed him. <laughs> Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he's old enough, ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who'd been blind and told him, God should get the glory. See, they're acting all spiritual and their hearts are far from him. God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. Woo! But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed. I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Woo! Oh, <laughs> you ever said the wrong words? <laughs> he said the right words. They, they heard it. The wrong way. That did not go over good with them. You know, Paul later, Paul later in Corinthians says, Am I now your enemy because I speak the truth? Sometimes truth is so, it hurts because it's so close, right? And they respond. They cursed him. And they said, You're his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? Like, really? Are you tripping? I mean, they, verse 31, they say, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Listen, did you catch that? He is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. You know what I love? I love sitting in the audience before I come up to speak. I try to sit in different places every week. I love watching people worship God, man, and sing not about him, but to him. I love that, man. You know why? Because he is ready. He's looking for people like that. Mm. And the man goes on to say, not only is he ready to hear those who worship him and do his will, but ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. This is a blind man speaking right now. He can see, and he's preaching. He's on a soapbox, man. He's telling these Pharisees how it is. And verse 33 says this. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. That's what the, the healed man says. And they say, you were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? There's pride. And they threw him out of the synagogue. See, you can go to church and miss Jesus. You can grown up in church your whole life and miss Jesus. And when Jesus heard what happened... He found the man. I love that because that's how blind people see is Jesus finds them. And Jesus will find you right where you are. 
And you don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus just as you are. You hear what I'm saying? You don't have to become this or become that or stop this or stop that. You come to Jesus just as I am without one plea. But that your blood was shed for me. You come as you are. We're all sinners far from God. All sinners need a Savior. And when you come as you are, he will take you as you are. And he will receive you just as you are. But he'll love you too much to keep you that way. And he will begin changing you and making you better. And so now he finds this man. And he asks him, do you believe in the Son of God? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. We're going to hear Vanessa's story in just a minute. She wanted to believe, just like this man. She didn't know how. It took a story to connect the dots. Jesus says, you have seen him. Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. You know, when you believe in Jesus, you'll worship him. You'll care about other people. Because you know, I once was blind, but Jesus, and now I can see. Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby, they heard him and they asked, are you saying we're blind? And Jesus says this. He says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. Here comes some truth. Ready? He's like, put this in your pipe and smoke it. But, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Ooh. Mm. Story. I got on an airplane once in Atlanta, and I sat down to a guy who looked like a, a football player. And I thought, man, I bet he has a story. So I asked him a little bit about a story. Even before I did, I was putting in the luggage, you know, you're trying to get it to fit, trying to get it to fit. And man, beautiful woman got on the plane and she's just, she's absolutely beautiful. And he just began saying all kinds of stuff he shouldn't have said. And um, I sit there, I'm listening to his story and he's beginning to impress me with his money and his cars and this and that. And if you've ever read Wild at Heart, we call that posing. He was poser, the poser was out in front. And the poser always comes out because insecurity is reality. And so he was posing, and he was just going on and on, and there were cuss words, and, I mean, he was, there was all kinds. It was a mess. It was messy, but, but when you're fishing, you're okay with it getting messy because you know you're trying to catch fish. And so you're all right with a little stinky bait every once in a while, right? And it was messy, man. He was being a little perverted, to be honest with you. And I didn't say, that's enough. I've had enough. I'm a Jesus follower. Dear God, I'm going to preach to you and get the devil out. I didn't do that, right? That'd been weird. I thought about it once or twice. I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. I didn't stand up and say, plain, I must now speaketh the wordeth of Godeth. We have a sinnereth in the house. I didn't do that. I listened to his story. I just let him keep going. Just give him leash. You know, just give him more and more leash. After I listened to his story, he turned to me and he said, So, boss, what you do for a living? <laughs> then it got awkward. 
I said, man, man, you ain't going to believe this, man. But I'm actually I'm like, Jesus, help me. Here we go. I'm a preacher, man. I'm a preacher. He's like, I love the Lord. He said, I love Jesus. And I'll say he got real religious, man. I'm telling you. He's like, bless the Lord. You know, I was just, you know, I thought we we're going to sing Kumbaya, man. I, I, I didn't know what was next. He got real religious. And you know what? God showed up in that moment because I didn't judge him. Because I gave him the dignity and the respect to hear his story, which gave me an opportunity for God's glory. By just letting God, giving God a little room. That's all God needs. He just needs a little room. And, and we don't have to beg God. God is more willing than we are. If you're a parent, you get this. Because every Christmas, especially if you had one like we had last Christmas Eve, or you stay up late putting the stuff together, right? Like you're doing that, and Santa's getting ready to come. But there's some stuff even Santa needs help on, right? And you're up there, and you can't wait for those kids to see the presents. You can't wait for them to run out of their rooms and be like, oh, Santa came, look at this. You're so anticipating that. That's how God is. It's all from him. And he can't wait for the kids to see what's under the tree. That's his heart. That's our father. That's who we serve. And so I want to challenge you to do a couple things as I begin to descent. And we're going to land the plane. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you, if you didn't take it, the opportunity last week to write out your story, would you write it out? And then would you condense it to a minute? Because in that moment when you're sitting on a plane and someone says, so, so tell me about you, there's your opportunity. Or someone says, man, you are awesome at what you do. You're like the best I've ever seen. Man, why are you so passionate about, like, tell me, man. Like, what did you, and you say, man, I want to tell you something. You know, um, enthusiasm, our English word comes from a Greek word, entheos. It means in God. If you're in God, you ought to have some enthusiasm, which means you ought to be passionate about what you do. If you're a school teacher, you ought to be the best school teacher this world has ever seen. If you're a principal, if you're a coach, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, if you're a pastor, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you own a lawn business, whatever you do, do it all for God's glory and and work so hard that other people are like, man, you are, man, you have something I don't have. What is it? And, and then it's a bad time to say money. No, no. You want to, you, you, you want to say, I want to tell you about Jesus, man, because I had a before. And you know what? Our befores are greatest opportunities to help people who are stuck in before. Yeah. Vanessa came for the first time. This January, she was here last gathering. I read her story. I want to read it to you. She wasn't able to make it last week, and, um, but she listened to podcasts. And I'm so thankful for our podcast and for our guys that put it up every week. Um, she put up our pod, or she listened to the podcast, listened to the message, and actually took the step. Can you believe that? She took the step, and I loved it. Um, my wife told me this this last week. Um, just reminded me. I'm thankful to God. You know, our podcast, people listen all over the world. People listen to the podcast. I'm not trying to be bigger than we are. I'm not getting a big head. But, but when you give and when you serve, you're a part of this. And you're allowing God to change lives all over the place. Stories we'll never even hear till we're in the big house. And you'll have a part of that just like the video today. My wife walked into church to sign her son up for something this week. And one of the pastors in the church was listening to our podcast from last Sunday. And Steph was like, wait a second, I know his voice. 
you know, and uh, it just reminded me that people, you know, I just want to encourage you. If you're out of town, you travel, you're a businessman, businesswoman, you travel, you can't make it every Sunday. We get that. Man, listen, because the word of God will help you grow if you take the steps. Vanessa took the step. Here's her story, and then I'll read the condensed version. August 2013, I just come back from a three-month vacation with my kids. My husband and I have longed to find a church since we started dating. Somewhere we could call home. Both of us were brought up religious, so the thought of a non-denominational church was, was confusing to me. I didn't understand it. My first question to those people were, so what religion are you? I was never taught otherwise, but Christian is something my parents spoke about, but they do not attend church. You listen to mom and dad? I happened to find Caleb on the radio while driving to school one day. And I haven't changed the station since. The song spoke to me. God was trying to reach, God was trying to reach me. I cried every day for two weeks. One particular story the anchor man was telling involved a girl named Vanessa. That's her name, right? He spoke about how he met her at the park. She was lost spiritually. She sat and listened to him speak the word of God, and suddenly it all made sense to her. At that moment, I had to pull the car over because the tears had now turned into a deep, hard cry. I came home and I told my husband that something was missing in my life, and he almost got offended. But after explaining about the songs and the radio station, he understood We both knew we belonged in a church with God, and it was time for us to come to the realization that regardless of what our families may say, someone say hello, this is our path. I immediately started seeing changes in our behavior. I stopped trying to talk like my family talked, and I started using the word of God in every situation I could with my kids. God bumps. Mm. I knew that day I pulled the car over, I'd been saved. My next mission was to find, in in quotes, his house. October 2013, four people in one week invited me to Momentum Church. First, Daniela. Where are you, Daniela? She's in the house. Where are you, Daniela? Hold up your hand. She's on the prayer team. She's in the back praying. Daniela was one of the first ones that invited her. Then a neighbor, Tammy, at a meeting, Callie. Where's Callie at? Callie, hold up your hand. Where you at? Callie's in here in the very back. Callie's going to be up on, she's on stage. Thank you. Thank you, Callie, for doing that. That's awesome. And then she goes on to say this. I love this. And then she said that Callie handed me an invitation card. We call those invite cards. We want you to invite people, right? So she did that. Way to go, Callie. Woo, I want to celebrate that. Yeah. All right. But not least, I met Stephanie, that's my wife, at a retreat. You see how God was working in her heart and fighting for her heart? Isn't that awesome? Come on, ladies, I know you love the romantic stories, right? Right? The chick flicks, right? Some of us guys, we go and some tear up, right? And, and like, this is God. This is romance. This is God winning her heart, the lover of her soul. And so she gets four invites. And then I love how she says this. It's so awesome. She said this. She said, I got the hint, but still wasn't ready to leave my comfort zone. I'd been going to a church, she names it, in Navarre, on and off for years, and the kids loved it there, so, so, so why not stay? The first Sunday in 2014 came, and I 
was determined to tell those four people that at least I tried momentum. I sat next to Callie that morning and I cried the whole time. They sang Oceans for the prayer song and I lost it. I now wanted to throw myself in the church and be a part of everything I could. The message that day was about fasting and I was intrigued and I never understood the biblical meaning of it. For the first time ever, I fasted. And she went on a lengthy fast for 70 days, fasting from one one thing. It was an amazing experience. I wanted to help start the Navarre campus. And I was excited about the upcoming Easter service. And then, dot, 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 but then it happened. Satan got to me. Satan ever get to you? Satan got to me. He twisted and turned the word of God. Each time you find yourself growing spiritually, know that he is right there waiting for you to let him in. And that's exactly what I did. I had committed myself to so much, and then I found myself questioning everything. I let him in, and I fought it for two months. I found myself crying again because I knew I had wronged Jesus. I knew the path I needed to be on, but was ashamed to take it. My reason, all caps, no idea. No idea. But I was. And I sat in the front row a couple weeks ago with my husband, and I felt like I was in a one-on-one counseling meeting with Tim as he spoke. His words hit me hard, right where I needed it. The fight is never over, but commit with everything that you've got, and you will have enough ammo that never runs out. Momentum is our home, and I'm not backing down from the fight. Isn't that awesome? You know why Satan was trying to take her out? Because we're launching a campus. She's from Navarre. She went to Navarre High School. She's going to be a high-capacity leader, her and her husband both, to help us launch that campus. And the enemy trying to take her out. Maybe you're there today. Maybe you feel like the enemy's trying to take you out. Could it be because he fears what God wants to do through you? Could it be because he fears your story? Mm. She gives a little bit of her story, the condensed version. She says, I was lost for a long time. I wasn't sure why. I had a wonderful family, people who loved me, and I was happy. (laughs) Wasn't I? Finding Jesus and listening to his word, it can break you down in ways you might not understand. But the end result, if you can hang on for the ride, the end result will be amazing. Take the hints that God is planning around you and surrender yourself for once. Take down your guard and just listen. You don't have to speak or share or understand. You'll you'll know when God is speaking to you. You will feel this amazing new sensation come over you and you will hear the Holy Spirit speak to you again. But be ready to fight when Satan knocks at the door. The stronger you grow, the harder he pushes. And then she says, never back down. I'm so proud of her for sharing her story. Because for some of you, that's right where you're at. You're kind of on the bench because you got hurt in the game. You're trying to live for God. You're trying to share that story. And then it happened. I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge you, everyone here. I want to challenge you to write your story to shorten it if you haven't done it yet. But then I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you to pray. 
and ask God for an opportunity. Now, I'm just talking to Jesus followers. If you're here and you're here for the first time, you're not sure about this God stuff, the band's cool, you're not sure about the God stuff, but you're like, this is a pretty cool place. Um, I'm, I'm talking to Jesus followers right now. I want to ask you to pray and ask God for an opportunity this week for you to share your story. And here's what I know. If you will have your story condensed where it's brief and it's powerful, they don't need to know about your third dog named Lucy. And people far from God, they don't have the, the spiritual capacity to understand deep spiritual things. Are you with me? So just make it simple. If you will pray for an opportunity to share your story, I promise you, I bet you money this week, God will give you probably opportunities for you to share your story with someone. And that's why the Bible says be ready to give an answer of the hope that's within you. If you got on a plane today or if your neighbor that never talks to you all of a sudden came out and you could tell that they were spiritually ripe, you could tell that God was romantically pursuing their heart. Would you have something to say? Or would you feel naked? Would you feel unequipped? The truth is, is it's in the power of your story. Revelation tells us that, that they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, the, their story. Because your story is powerful. The first story killer, I want you to understand, there, there are things that will kill a story. We'll talk about several next week. But the first thing... I want you to realize is the number one story killer is not sharing your story. You have a story. It's powerful. And your story matters to God. And your story will help and heal other people.